personalized and contextual outreach is the way you get somebody's attention. You make the conversation about them, not about you. You don't launch on the opening line with some statement about your product or service. You launch with, my research tells me that XYZ, and I'd like to talk to you about helping you solve this problem, which we've solved for these other companies. Can I come and see you? And if you take that approach, which is research-driven, contextual, personalized, you stand a much better chance of getting the impact you want. Hello, and welcome to The Melting Pot. I'm your host, Dominic Monkhouse. The Melting Pot is a result of my hunger and curiosity for optimizing business performance, exploring corporate culture, customer addiction, and building high-performing teams. It's full of advice from my guests, entrepreneurs, fellow business authors, and examples from some of my work over the last few years, coaching the CEOs and leadership teams of some amazingly successful tech firms. The Melting Pot is my attempt to synthesize what I've learned along the way, to help you build a highly scalable business and realize the potential of your life's work. If you enjoy the episode, head over to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast to find today's show notes and more editions of The Melting Pot. While you're there, if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can pick up a copy of my new book, Plan B, How to Scale Your Technology Business Faster and Achieve Plan A. Enjoy. Hello, today I'm talking with and learning from Andrew Yates. Andrew is the CEO of Artesian Dudil, so two fintech businesses that were recently merged in the UK. Just before that, Artesian was growing, doubling year over year, so uh, definitely in scale-up territory. But the conversation I'm having with Andrew today is how do you take data? And we talk a little bit about data automation, particularly in banking and financial services. But if they're not the sectors that you're in, how do you take data and help to define your target audience? How do you use data to make progress in the go-to-market? And then how do you use data to successfully onboard those clients and potentially keep them and work out which of them have the best upsell potential? So a great conversation all around data, fast-growing businesses, and how to use data in your organization, whether you're a customer of Artesian Deal or not, or somebody else. It's a great conversation. Andrew's got a fantastic model, the way he describes how to use data to accelerate and amplify customer acquisition and revenue growth model. I'm going to talk about that. Great conversation. Hope you enjoy it. So I am Andrew Yates. I'm the uh, CEO and co-founder of Artesian and recently took on the CEO role of the merged entity, which is Artesian Dudil. That merger happened in uh, July 21. So it's still only kind of four months old. I I like what you did there. I hope you didn't pay too much for the new name. We're still working on the name, Dom. Uh, Artesian Dudil <laughs> as, a, as a double barrel name isn't going to work. And we decided Art Dill probably doesn't, uh, doesn't <laughs> cut it either. So watch this space. Okay. And so what's the, what's the rationale for... Oh, congratulations on being the CEO of the merged entities. What was the rationale for putting these businesses together? Because you, you, you were doing different things, weren't you, originally? Um, well, actually, if you'd have kind of landed on the website five years ago, you'd have thought we were doing ostensibly exactly the same thing. But Judil pivoted in 2018 into the KYB, as they call it, know your your customer, know your business, much more into the kind of compliance space, 
helping automate the process of onboarding customers and helping provide things like validated, verified data on companies and the people inside them that you can use for all sorts of useful things. Heavy orientation towards fintech and banking. Artesian is perhaps best known for its applications that help frontline teams figure out who their next customer is likely going to be and then finding ways to engage with that customer and then finding ways to kind of keep that customer for a lifetime. So you combine the two organizations together, Judil have got some really cool graph-based data ingestion, augmentation and conflation technology. (laughs) Easy for you to say. Easy for me to say. So, uh, you know, a a way that we can provide as near a real-time view of every company in the UK and Ireland gets updated three times a day, 270 million connections and counting. And it's based on this concept called graph technologies, same way that Google works. When you use Google search browser and you start typing within three keystrokes, Google kind of knows where you're going with the search. You've seen it and the the list drops down. There's some graph-based technology behind there that's linking and connecting all of the information together. Judil have the same design construct in terms of their underlying uh, data ingestion and augmentation capabilities. And they ingest data from all the mainstream places that you already trust. So credit reference agencies, companies, house, HMRC, stuff like that. So they have got this you know, great kind of underlying data architecture. And then we've got the applications and this rules engine capability that allows you to manipulate data with rules to kind of give you derived insight that you can act upon. So we call them engagement signals. So you kind of put the two things together and you've got the first end-to-end customer lifecycle intelligence platform that helps you solve three problems. Find me the right customer, help me onboard them quickly, and help me keep them for life. Well, let's start with the find the right customer then. So who do I meet that doesn't have new business problems? Everybody I meet could do better, wants to do better, wants to target better. And, And often I I quote some statistics that I think I got from you, although I might have mis mis be mis misquoting you, which is something around the uh, you know somebody changes jobs in a in an organization, you know they've come into a new role, they've got ninety days to make an impact. Like, how do I know? How do I know that they've changed jobs, and how do I know their problem? So I think the stat is eighty four percent of things change or or new initiatives get introduced in the first 90 days of someone landing. So the first problem we solve is we can tell you when that happens, you know, because generally speaking, that's kind of published in the news. But, you know, side by side that we can tell you a little bit about the strategy, the organization, their media profile, you know, connect you with information that might sit on a website or in a company report give you four years of financials, show you whether the company's growing, we'll give you information about the shareholding, we'll give you information about the the debt structure, loads of, you know, every company director and their profiles and how they're linked together. So all that's pretty useful stuff for context. The second stat is you've got a six in 10 chance of getting someone's attention if you make the outreach you make to them personal and contextual. So personalized and contextual outreach is the way you get somebody's attention. You make the conversation about them, not about you. You know, what you you don't do is you you don't launch on the opening line with some statement about your product or service. You launch with, my research tells me that X, Y, Z, and I'd like to talk to you about helping you solve this problem, which we've solved for these other companies. Can I come and see you? 
And if you take that approach, which is research-driven, contextual, personalized, you stand a much better chance of getting the impact you want. And what types of companies have you solved this challenge for over the years at RTZ? So you you might remember Dom because I know I know we've we've had a long long relationship. You might have remembered talking to companies in the tech and telco space when you have attended our events. Companies like BT, Oracle, um, Rackspace, uh, you know AWS, guys like that, and they they, they they're still really um, important customers. But where we've tended to gravitate towards in recent years is the regulated space. So talking there about um, commercial and corporate banking, uh, insurance carriers, insurance brokers, and and you know financial services providers, and and and, and Judil's pretty much done the same with a focus on fintechs and again um, a tier one, tier two financial institutions. What makes that sector really interesting is really three things. Firstly, they still use heavily use people and relationships to drive long-term value and long-term revenue streams. Number two, they're regulated. So they have to be mindful and careful of the promises that they make to customers because you know there, there are some regulations around anti-money laundering and know your customer, financial crime, adverse directorship history, all sorts of things like that that you've got to take into consideration if you're going to fund somebody, lend them money, whatever it might be. And thirdly, all of those organizations are under pressure to automate where possible to reduce the cost to serve so that they can offer the best products at the best prices and and still retain the right margin. And that's a struggle for the more traditional financial institutions who are trying to kind of be more digital in their engagement. And it's a struggle for the fintechs because they've got to take their first mover advantage as challenges in that industry and act very quickly in an agile way, take advantage of the latest technologies. So process automation is a key driver in regulated industries that are trying to reduce the cost to serve where there's people involved in the equation. That's the kind of magic formula we're looking for. And say, what plug into your APIs and feed that into their systems. Yes, you can do that. So if you were to go to TSB, Tide, Revolut, Metro Bank, Santander, and you were to try and open a business banking account, that's powered by Artesian Judil. So as soon as you start typing the name of your company, within three keystrokes, it'll match your company to the um, the information graph. You choose the company that's your company, and then it will auto-populate your application form. It means you can literally open a business account in, in minutes straight through. That's one aspect of the way that technology is particularly useful. On the other hand, I might be a relationship manager with a portfolio of 100 or 200 businesses that I'm taking care of. And what I want, I want to know everything about you, anything that's changing about you. I want to know your latest news. I want to know the latest developments. I want to know events when they get published at Company's House. So a mechanism to be able to use lean into technology to automate the process of gathering all of that client intelligence is really really useful so that's the other end of the spectrum and then how do you i mean if i'm a if i'm a sales rep how do you serve you serve that to me what was a daily digest of what's happened in my accounts yeah daily digest and and 
the heavy focus on on mobile uh, i bet you your mobile phone was was you know I, I don't know what you did this morning when you woke up uh, <laughs> but i bet you your mobile phone figured pretty pretty soon after waking up you know you probably picked it up and had a quick look at the weather or the news or something so that's the first place we connect with you through that daily digest that we send to you at 6:30 a.m. and then you've got your you know your desktop your browser you know your laptop or your um, your tablet or maybe you've got your CRM system or maybe you want to integrate this useful uh, data and insight into applications that you're building yourself so we have an answer to all those different things we've got ready to go applications that are mobile optimized we've got an API that you can literally build your own applications with these wonderful thing called endpoints which are kind of pre-packaged outputs that, that are already in the shape you want them to be as part of that integration that you're going to do for example ultimate beneficiary ownership uh, key financials director profiles things like that that are the things that you specifically want to plug into one of your operational systems to solve a problem do you link out well i mean the you know the you said you get the news overnight how many what, how many feeds are you plugged into? No, we don't get the news overnight. We get the news every 60 okay. seconds. So uh, I'll give you some maths. Um, 650,000, you know, variable social media feeds and about 65,000 digital news sources. Uh, we probably produce about three or four million useful, unique things every day from that that are what we consider to be actionable insight. We have an algorithm that kind of reads the, the 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 text and it figures out who it's about and then it figures about it figures out what it's about by the the pattern of words that surround the mention of the entity. It matches that to a taxonomy of things uh, and then it matches that to the things that you've said you're interested in. The combination of all of those things is about the equivalent of about six point nine billion Google searches an hour. Um, <laughs> And what do you get? You get one story about customer Fred that you can immediately use. You know, they tweeted last night that they won at the National Business Awards. You're the first guy to send them a congratulatory note to say, hey, uh, congratulations on picking that, picking up that award. I literally watched, watched my partner do it the other day when one of her customers picked up an award at the National Business Awards and she saw it come through in her Artesian feed at 6.30 a.m. in the morning and she hit the share button in Artesian, which pre-packaged the announcement into a congratulatory note, sent it to Daniel, her customer, and he wrote back within 30 seconds. He said, how the hell did you know that happened? I only tweeted it last night at the ceremony itself and that's because we, we picked it up. We turned it around into a piece of engagement intelligence and we, we landed it on the mobile phone at 6.30 a.m. So it's an, an opportunity to look effortlessly professional. I love that. Well, I, I have loved it for a number of years and I've recommended it to a, a number of people, which is really one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on to see if I can share some of these secrets with more people. But the you must have a client and you may or may not want to name them, but you know, with any technology solution, there's always a client that is... Uh, using it in a way that you go god you know if everybody did that they would all get way more value like you know what's the if you think about that sort of effortless professionalism do you have a sort of poster child whether you can name them or not 
Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. Um, I mean, I'd call out. We've got many. We've got many financial institutions that that are doing some 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 really cool stuff. And you know, the larger tier one banks, you know, want to be able to tackle the challenges, the fintechs, but are sometimes a little constrained by by the speed with which they can execute new ideas because you know of the legacy. They love what we do because the time to value is very, very quick in relation to alternatives because sometimes we don't have to integrate with any internal systems to be able to deliver the value. But, you know, a couple of them kind of spring to mind. So we're working with a um, working with a team at NatWest at the moment in their corporate and commercial segment, and they've implemented this new capability we've developed that can literally, in addition to the news, we can look at the financial data, the statements, the announcements at companies' house, the business events, things like the open banking data around, you know, payment days. And, and, and in some instances, it's moving, it's moving fast. You know, you're going to be able to see monthly turnover, cash at bank, the things that people have given permission to share and be able to interpret what all that means within the context of different ways that you can help and engage with that customer to add value. So rather than it being the case of me calling you up and asking you the question, or even if you're slightly more advanced, having Artesian, being able to see the pattern of things that are going on, I can call you up with something that's very specific as a proposition to kind of say, hey, I've noticed in your most recent accounts that you know, you're growing really quick, that your cash at bank is down and perhaps there's some ways that we can help you with leverage finance or some, uh, you know, working capital optimization um, capabilities. You know, that's really advanced engagement. And, and, you know, I'm calling you up kind of, you know, having done my homework. Customers typically welcome that. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got organizations like BT and what they've done is they've, they've implemented the tech, but they've, they've, they've embedded it inside CRM so that they can see at the touch of a button exactly how much influence the program is having, how much a new pipeline they're generating and how much that pipeline is closing. So from an ROI standpoint, they would be our poster child because they're currently tracking on 48 times ROI in terms of what they spend with us and what the service is generating in terms of revenue upside for the company. So I like that one because it's a, <laughs> it's a good one to uh, kind of, you know, explain to people, here's how you do it. Um, but I also like to tell the stories about how 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 our, our, our very many and very customers are really taking advantage of the innovation. And is there, are there some services that Judil uh, had that, that Artesian didn't? Judil had a beautifully uh, polished and packaged API, which is really easy to integrate, fully documented. It's a, it's what you call a public API. So you go to the Judil website, you can down, you can literally download the documentation and get access and start developing applications straight away. It's pretty cool. And uh, we that was the next thing we were going to do with Artesian. So we'd been building out this rules engine, which happened to be the next thing Judo were going to do. So we kind of, you know, we kind of put the two things together and it made perfect sense as an end-to-end solution. Here's another thing, really interesting. So 620 medium to large customers, only eight overlapped. Well, actually, my next question was going to be about was going to be about your growth plan because I was thinking you put these two competitors together. What what does that give you in terms of market share? Do you reckon? Does that make you number one in your space? We're working with 
I think it's seven of the the GMA nine, you know, the the, the major the major banks. A combined eighty four percent of the revenue comes from financial services, insurance, insurance broken. It's double digit millions in terms of revenue, with you know predicted double digit growth. It's it's profitable, self sustaining business. I mean, we're up there, but what we don't want to be is a competitor to the data providers in the industry. So although our our solution, we talk a lot about data, think of us as being a kind of car, you know, with four wheels and, you know, picture a car. What what car do you drive at the moment, Tom? I drive a Land Rover Defender. One of the new ones? No, one of the old ones. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, (laughs) it's a beautiful thing, right? I mean, it it, it leaks, it rolls, it's slow. It's, you know, it's like driving a Hovis loaf. It's not very aerodynamic, but they're a beautiful thing. I've had a Land Rover Defender or two myself. I love them. But just like your AC Cobra. There you go. So (laughs) Sunbeam Tiger, actually. So uh, imagine, imagine a, a kind of Tesla Model X, okay, as an analogy, right? So, you know, this beautiful this beautiful vehicle that gets you from A to B, beautiful seats and, you know, lovely power to weight ratio, glides along, seats six people effortlessly, gets you there feeling wonderful, right? That is what we are. Electricity is data. It's the fuel, right? So we don't want to compete with the electricity generating companies. We want to partner with them, Right. But but what we want to do is we want to add value to th- that electricity. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy, so let's carry on. <laughs> but, you know, what are we doing to add value to electricity? We're charging a battery. The battery powers the car. The car gets you from A to B in style, right? So we're looking to develop applications for the data that are going to change the business dynamic, transform the business dynamic, and drive the better outcome that the customer seeks. It's not about the data. It's about what you do with the data to change the outcome. And in our instance, it's about um, finding customers, onboarding them quickly and keeping them for life. And the, we talked about the finding them. The onboarding bit, I guess, is the there's all this data we know about them already so we don't have to ask them. There's more to it than that. So there's, what else you got there's there? this idea that you've got a policy, which is a set of rules that you apply each time you engage with an onboard a customer and the rules might be we don't trade with organizations that operate in certain jurisdictions we don't trade with organizations that have sanctioned individuals in the organizational hierarchy we don't trade with organizations that have got three directors who've got adverse directorship history that you know is is problematic you know, we don't trade with organizations that perhaps don't meet our, our kind of credit criteria for the type of product or service we're looking to offer, right? So the, these are real things that we've all faced when we've been applying for bank loans and that kind of stuff. And so what we can do is we can capture that, that formula, bottle it, and apply that to this rich data that we can provide in real time to give you an outcome, which is, you know, a recommendation or a flag or a, an indication as to whether it's good or, or otherwise. And that saves a ton of time. And if you think about, so, you know, the simple level, 
you're applying for um you know you 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 go into metal which is one of the natwest group companies that use the judal api and you're onboarding yourself through through a digital process and it's wonderful and it takes seconds right up to i'm applying for a um um you know some 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 sort of a, a debt a debt instrument and i'm a um I'm a medium-sized organization. There are lots of directors. I've got shareholders. We operate in multiple jurisdictions, you know, and there are subsidiaries associated with a parent, you know, and, and its children and all that kind of stuff, right? That is a whole different enchilada in terms of onboarding, right? I've got to go down every avenue to check that there are no stop signs and, and, and no issues. The technology can effectively do that for you in one sweep, it's pretty cool. So in Metro Bank, they they sped up the complex onboarding process by 94% by implementing this technology. It still involves human beings needing to remediate uh, any issues that arise, but the time it takes to get to a position of here's what we need to know is, you know, is vastly superior than it was before. And and then on to the keep a customer for life. What What's that all about? There's two aspects to it. So there's a remediation aspect, which is tell me when things change and and what I need to do. And if you can auto magically have some, you know, some some something that's keeping an eye on my book of customers to tell me that something needs my attention. That that's one of the things we can do. And then the second thing is how do I keep in touch? intimately keep in touch with multiple relationships and stakeholders in the customers I have? Uh, how do I cross-sell and upsell more products and services? How do, I, how do I keep that customer happy and keep them for a lifetime? So, you know, p- people felt CRM was the answer to that, but C- CRM is a kind of system of record with a system of engagement that sits inside that, that, that CRM system that's keeping a watchful eye on every break in development and then telling you what you need to know, when you need to know it, who you need to call, what you need to say, and when you need to contact them. And if you're BT, you get a 48%, 48 times return on your ROI. In BT, it's about selling their valued customers more than one proposition because you think about bt they've got loads and loads of like different propositions from you know we can do your mobile phones to we can do your voice over ip infrastructure we can do your network we can do your internet you know blah 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 right they've got they've got tons of things so it's not just about selling one thing it's about selling multiple products and services to an existing customer it's growing the customer share as well as acquiring new customers fab and where's it going? Where's it going? Uh, open banking, open finance is a big one. Yeah. And you, well, you said there, what, you, people were sharing particular data about their cash at bank and debtor days and so on. It's, it's more fundamental. It's, it's that as a business, you opt into um, something called commercial credit data sharing, CCDS. And there, there are various open banking and open finance initiatives. And these things are not designed to allow people to spy on you and make it more, more kind of difficult, uh, snoop on you. They're there to make it easier for um Providers of financial services in an open banking context, they're there to make it easier for them to be able to serve you what you need in a faster way. 
And and the big idea originally was, you know, everybody shares their data. So all the banks are sharing data with one another. And um, what that means is that you can get the best product or service as a consumer. So it's designed for it's designed for good. It's not designed for evil. And if you think about if you think about how that can be used layered on top of all of those other intelligence flows that I was um, talking to, it means that I can give you a much more accurate answer to a question because I'm working on data that is today's data, not that might be relating to some company's house report I filed a year ago. Yes, or longer. Or longer. And can you take this outside the UK? Because the UK has got a unique sort of company's house. I know whenever I'm, you know, my colleagues in the US were always in awe of, you know, company's house versus the secrecy of company records in the US is is this can you take this global is are, are the european countries got similar things yes they do and we we partner with um we partner with a number of credit reference agencies that provide access to the best information that's available in those countries but it does vary quite considerably you mentioned the US there's no filing in the US uh, unless you're a publicly listed company not only do you not have to file, but you can also incorporate yourselves in, in Delaware and, you know, good luck, good luck finding information there. So, but there are, there are data providers that specialize in solving that problem in the US, like, for example, Dun & Bradstreet Corporation. So we would just partner with those guys. And take their data and then layer on top all of the other, okay, right, I see. Correct, correct. But um, our main focus in the short to medium term is UK and Ireland. And and there are something like, um, uh, I would say there are something like 2,000 organizations in the UK and Ireland in the regulated space that need access to our capabilities. And then there are partners and partnerships we're working on where we can embed ourselves into the thing that the, that the partner does already to make what they do even better. And there are a couple of those we're working on at the moment that I hope to be able to announce in, in January that are going to make it much, much easier as an application user to take advantage of the kind of services that I've been talking about. And whilst at the minute your 70, 80% of your growth is coming from regulated industries, if if I'm listening to this and I'm not in a regulated space, you won't turn them away if they're interested in using your tools? Absolutely not. I mean, and, and you can start with one user. You know, my, my fiance has one license and she's very proud of, uh, of that. You know, so we can... Uh, we can help the smallest business take advantage of all this cool stuff. Um, we literally give you the story behind every business in the UK and Ireland. And, you know, that's for as little as £99 a month. And you can, I mean, I know because I've done, I've done this myself. You can then go in and what type of business am I looking for and where are they located and, you know, what's their sick code or even you've got a, we got we got a fancy damn way of doing that, yeah. So what well, we've you've got, done, you've got a description of it, which is in English. Yeah. So we've used we've used some artificial intelligence to well, first of all, we've used we've used our our capabilities to to literally crawl every single website in the UK for every single business because we've got a list of every URL. So we've we've gone and visited every single website and we've. We've um, we've indexed all of the words that those companies use to describe themselves. And then we've built an index on top of that that allows you to find them 
based on the way they describe themselves. The problem with standard industry classification codes is that they were last updated in, I think it was 2007. I can't remember. What I liked, there's, I, I, I did some digging and the bit that I remember the most is there was no classification for business coach, but there was, there was two classifications for snail breeding indoors and outdoors right and it's like really i'm surprised we, i'm surprised we didn't pick up business coach but you hit the nail on the head that there are no class i mean even you know the business we're in if you if you were to kind of if you were to kind of get a bit more granular in terms of the type of software organization you wanted to target or let it take for example if you were wanting because craft beer is a big growth market right and so i don't want people who make beer i want people who make craft beer or i want i don't want hotels i want boutique hotels right people pride themselves in describing themselves in a way that matches what the customer's looking for and so you know we're making that connection for you in the data to be able to for you to be able to find them and get more specific about the propositions you're offering to the customers that are the right the right customers but remember that that, that there's that regulatory bit as well so you know lay it on top of you know here's a list of 60 organizations that i think i want to do business you can also say and these are the ones that i can actually do business with you can do that right up front without you know without without upsetting anybody and without wasting any time is there anything in the in in the space in which you operate where you look and other people are doing you look at other companies, you don't have to name them, but are doing something maybe in the US doing something really interesting in this sort of data augmentation space that people should be interested in, even if it's not something that you're offering as a service yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how well this will translate over here, but the Americans are obsessed about contact intelligence. If you've ever worked in in America as a as a sales professional and you've tried to kind of get through the front door, you know this thing we can do in the UK where we call reception and they put you through to people. Well, that doesn't happen in America. And you know this thing in the UK where people put their phone number on the bottom of their email footer and they put information on LinkedIn that makes it easy for you to connect and stuff. Well, that that is much more difficult in the US, interestingly. My, my, my favorite is that people put their personal mobile phone number or the, on, on their out of office often. And so it's not in their email signature, but when you ping them when they're in the Algarve... Exactly. Well, there you are. And, and so um, that's, a, and it, that's a, a problem at scale in America. So there are, there are large organizations that are growing very quickly that are out there solving that problem. And when you go to their website, their message is all about how many they, you know, email addresses they carry and how many mobile phone numbers they've got and that kind of stuff. And that's never been a space we've wanted to, we've wanted to um, get into because it's, it's a problem that you've got to kind of try and solve every day because the, the data is changing around every, every, every single, every single day. So um, although we're used to working with data that's changing every single day, we didn't want to get into all of the kind of GDPR and, 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 you know, data privacy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. We, we provide GDPR compliant, validated and verified data that's in the public domain that's published at Companies House. We do do that. So we've got, I don't know, 11 million contacts in the in this system. But if someone comes to us and says, how many email addresses, how many phone numbers have you got? That's not 
that's not us. That's not what we do. There are other companies that do that. So there's some cool stuff going on there. And then this whole thing around predictive. So we think what's coming next with 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 artesian due deal is the ability to help our regulated industry customers anticipate need um but there's there's some heavy duty data analytics stuff around around predicting when the customer's ready to buy based on their activity and their behavior and i think that's pretty cool stuff as well all right cool uh, andrew what is it that you know now that you wish you'd known earlier that it's always going to be at least 10 times harder than you think it is and <laughs> in anything pretty much i mean i'm i'm a you know i'm i'm an entrepreneur i've i've, I've built more than one software company i'm more than glass half full i'm i'm almost three quarters and and mostly overflowing but this is really hard and it's not for everyone and if i'd have known what i know now uh 10 years ago i would a be uh, considerably wealthier uh b i would have got this done much faster um uh, but C, I still would have done it. Yeah, I think that's the best, the best, uh, the best advice. The other, the other advice is is work hard at your at your relationships, um, whether that's in a a, a business context or or a, a, at a personal level, because they count for everything. Okay, um, and along the way, have you picked up building this business or your previous? businesses? Have you any books that are inspirational? Anything you're reading which is good at the minute? Yeah. I'm listening to the Madoff uh, story at the moment. Uh, nobody would listen, which is pretty pretty cool. Just to just to really appreciate fraud at the scale that that kind of uh, that went on. Um, I was fascinated to listen to the the story about WeWork, billion dollar loser. I was equally fascinated to get the scoop on uh, the trial that's going on at the moment over um, Theranos. It's a book called Bad Blood. And it, it's the story of how Theranos really hoodwinked. And, and you know, the people involved in that, uh, Henry Kissinger, George Schultz, Bill Clinton, you know, these were people who were sitting on the board and advising them, you know, that had all invested. And this thing was <laughs> was just fake. It just it never worked. They never proved prove it. And, and, you know, it actually put people's lives at risk towards the end. That's That's well worth... That's well worth reading. I think from a philosophy standpoint, I love a book called The Four Agreements by uh, Don Miguel uh, Ruiz, which talks about how to live your life. And uh, I won't spoil what the four agreements are, but it's but it's it's probably one of the best philosophy books. And then finally, if you want, again, some some kind of business entertainment, try Super Pumped by Mike Isaac, the story of Uber. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> those those four business books i mean i suppose uber is a success but i guess from the title it's it's about their sort of cultural challenges i mean what i aim to gain and you know i've just i just read the latest elon musk book uh which is written by ashley vance it's a biography and uh, that'll never works another good one the story of netflix what do you hope to gain? You hope to learn about how these people, I mean, I'm a big fan of history and all of the characters in history. The It sounds awful, but, you know, these kind of dictators and these people that commanded this enormous amount of power. And you kind of want to know, well, how did that happen? And why did that happen? And what did they have that was special or interesting? Or, or you know, the, the, how, did, how did those circumstances conspire for that to happen? And I think that, you know, that... The, some of these business books are really, really interesting because, you know, clearly people 
you know, you take Uber, you take WeWork. There's another one. There's the story of, of of Nike, which is called Shoe Dog. These are these are the these are the stories of how those businesses grew, and and in some instances ended up to be you know very successful. In in some instances became a you know cataclysmic car crash. But you, you kind of so much you can learn from the experience of of people doing that and and the less and, and the lessons that they learned that are in the public domain so you know that that's what inspires me and i like to i like to listen to a book at least one a week and i tend to do that when i'm traveling so i'll always be listening to something in the time i've got in between things if i'm traveling in obviously that's happened a lot less in recent times but starting to get back into that whole daily daily work routine now and you just finally, you've got your, 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 you've got an office, you're back in the office. Thoughts on remote versus hybrid? Yeah. So we, um, first of all, we took the opportunity during lockdown as various leases came up to resize, refactor our, our workspace in line with what our employees were telling us they wanted. Plus a little bit of guesswork laid on top. So, you know, we, we've now consolidated our space in Reading to about half of what it was. We can easily accommodate, I would say, about a third of the staff. If everybody came in, we'd be screwed. <laughs> um, and then we've got a space in London, which, again, is optimized to what our London-based and our southern, uh, you know, southeast-based employees wanted. And I think my advice to any entrepreneur listening is you can always upscale, but you can't downscale. You can't get out of leases once you're in them. So I would say be lean and take advantage of the deals that are out there right now. Um, and any other tips for tomorrow for people? Yeah, just just um, love your customers. Be intimate about them. No one has the right anymore to sit down with someone for the first time and say, tell me what you do. Tell me what your business problems are. If you don't know the answer to that question, you do not deserve their time. There's a minimum standard, right? You, you cannot engage with another business unless you know the basic stuff around, you know, who they are, what they do, what their strategy is, who their competition is, and and loads about the person you're meeting. Because this this world we live in is all about people engaging with people. And that, even with machines in the way, that's never going to change all being well, at least in our lifetime, Dom. Andrew, thank you very much for your time today. It's been fab having you on. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. If you'd be kind enough to leave a review, it will really help other like-minded entrepreneurs find this podcast and grow our community. For all information relating to this episode, you can go to monkhouseandcompany.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find some cracking show notes, additional reading and links relating to our guest. There you can also find my blog and past episodes of my subjectively not crap newsletter, where I'll update you on the best articles I read that week, some recommended books and other podcasts. Thanks, and I will see you next week.